0: Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. This is the podcast where we break down the Knives Out sequel. One minute of screen time per episode. I am your host for this week. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, but you can please call me Sully. I'm very proud to introduce our guest for this podcast. Mystery guest, sign in please.
1: Hi, I'm Andrew Lindy.
0: That's right. And we are going to be covering Minute 16. And Minute 16 begins with the guests on the pier hearing gunshots and a motorcycle arriving. Uh. Uh. Crew! We've arrived! And ends... With them hearing a boat arriving, this entire minute is all about anticipating the arrival of some form of transportation. So, um, I'm very, very happy to be back. I, I did several episodes of the Knives uh, Out podcast from the from the original film. I'm thrilled to be doing for this one. I did you see this in the theater, Andrew?
1: You know, I I did. Uh, That was actually really um, that was a really exciting time. Excuse me. That was a really exciting time to be able to see this film in the theaters, because I I remember watching Knives Out in theaters and thinking, you know, oh, this is something really special and getting the chance to see the sequel in theaters, even though it was going, you know, direct to Netflix. Mm -hmm. I was it was just very exciting. Did you happen to see it in theaters?
0: Uh, I did not. I, I did see it on Netflix uh i would i it's there's a weird connection and this is maybe i'm probably not the only one with this connection but the original knives out from uh 2019 was the last film i saw in the theaters before the pandemic Wow! and so i associate knives out with the pandemic so you have part two and it's not really part 2 it's like another episode which is what i yeah. one of the we'll get into in the later episodes we'll, we'll when there's a little less dialogue and motion we'll get into our, our thoughts about this is a franchise and why i enjoy it as a franchise but i associate the original knives out with the pandemic because uh, i saw it the the weekend before the oscars which was i think mid february mm-hmm. of 2020 or and then the lockdown was less was less than a month afterwards, and for several years, I don't I didn't see another movie in the theater until I think it was twenty twenty two. I finally went back and they re released Star Trek the Motion Picture, <laughs> and I took my two sons to see it. And so the Star Trek was my my uh, my reentry into the uh, the movie theater world. But yeah, this is a this is a COVID themed movie franchise for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, the first one too. That's that's really interesting. And I I think um with the second one, I mean, I I think, you know, Ryan Johnson didn't have to set it during COVID the way that he did, but in doing so, it almost, you know, grounds it more.
0: Well, it also it, it does a couple of it does a couple of things. It it grounds it in a weird, you know, nostalgia of two and a half years ago. Uh it also he uses it for um character development. Mm -hmm. in this scene that we're seeing right now when you see who's masked and who's not and you sort of see Mm. that the people who may be very cautious and wound tight and you see the people who are um you know kind of out of control and Mm. just by demonstrating who's not wearing a mask and who is wearing a mask it's it's showing some character development instead of telling character development and so i think that you see that in uh, in this particular scene here, I,
1: I think the biggest one is is Birdie, whose mask is essentially not a mask.
0: Yes, uh, that's <laughs> a ala- yeah. She, her and I think you see that clearly in one of the the later minutes, or, or maybe mm. it was the one before. So I can't re- quite remember some of this blurs in my head. But yes, her mask is basically just mesh. It doesn't really yeah. serve the purpose. <laughs> but uh, this is the minute where there. There's there's a lot to unpack in this minute, uh, in regards to blocking and where mm-hmm. people are in the frame there's a lot mm-hmm. of character development through placing actors in the frame and i think it's worth this is this scene takes place uh just after the introduction of of well it's not really the introduction because we see the characters before him, but but the arrival of birdie jay uh kate hudson's birdie J, and poor peg played by jessica henwick <laughs> And, and that just should be her name is Poor Peg, um, and we see uh, Catherine Hahn as Governor Governor Debella, and we see Aaron Burr himself, Leslie Odom Jr. as Lionel, yeah. and we see that the um, we see you know Governor Claire is kind of wound tight, and amongst and and I watched something where director Ryan Johnson was saying that she has to wear very kind of drab colors to sort of contrast her from the, uh, you know, some of the wild colors we're going to see in some of the other people. Mm-hmm. And she has her visor. She has, she's very protected. She has a visor. She's got a mask. Uh, she seems kind of hunched, you know, In and she seems very tense. And of course, we've seen that Lionel, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, is very practical. And his, uh, you know, his, he's, Almost in, he almost looks like he's just—he's almost completely wrapped up, you know, in his hat, in his clothes. In fact, he has the dark, very practical mask and the uh, uh, sunglasses on. You—you you cannot see a single feature in his face, mm-hmm. and it's a testament to his ability as an actor that we can s- s- get his emotion through that it's kind of like uh inside man with uh um, clive owen wearing the mask during the bank robber sequence oh yeah but and, and then of course we contrast that with the the wild colors uh that dave bautista and that um kate hudson and that uh uh madeline klein is whiskey and of course poor peg who is wearing kind of bland colors has a practical mask and is just shoved in the background. She's basically luggage at this point.
1: I do. I always, I kind of like that about Peg is that as much as birdie is fashionable, Peg is unfashionable. And I, I, I believe I read that was a choice by the actors, but it's, it makes total sense. It's, it's like a great little pairing.
0: Well, Interesting thing about this is because I've always loved this particular scene, the arrival of date where you hear the gunshots and it's the, the way the camera goes over the luggage and his arrival and the kickstand, um, I I it's it's it feels very raising Arizona, it feels it's has mm-hmm. a very Cohen Brothers feel to it with how the camera moves and the details. And of course, I was associate crazy motorcyclists with Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's I saw a the one of the making ofs of this particular movie where Ryan Johnson was breaking down this particular scene. I don't know if you saw the for Vanity Fair. But apparently this scene, there was a whole uh, sort of tracking shot on a um, via drones following uh, Dave Bautista and uh, Madeline Klein's whiskey on their, um, on the motorcycle going along the, the, the shore mm. and pulling up into there. And he said it was a beautiful shot, but it messed up the rhythm of the scene. And it's one of those mm. things where you have to let go of the beauty and I was stunned when I heard that because this to me just feels it's such an incredible entrance in the scene. They just turn around, go over the luggage, you know, the, the, the vans kind of swerves away and he comes right in and, you know, and has his great, you know, wears everything is loud. The pink pants, the 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 leopard print, the tattoos on him, the gun, everything. And I I, I can't imagine anything blowing the rhythm of this particular entrance to me this is this is so smart that they just whittled it down to this disruptors have assembled oh, oh, yeah. absolutely not yeah. oh, yes. Duke.
1: Hello? hey guys remember my girl whiskey
0: hi of course whiskey
1: I do think, I mean, we'll we'll see in the subsequent minutes if this almost becomes like a recurring gag within this scene where car, cars and other vehicles arriving and leaving, you know, have a lot of trouble coming up and down this pier with the, the honking and the and the gun being shot. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's kind of almost like a. it's a weird joke in itself, even if it's not, you know, it doesn't have a punchline exactly. It's just like that's that I think is kind of the rhythm of the scene. Is like the arriving and the leaving and the arriving and the leaving.
0: By the way, uh, the, in the making of thing, I saw that this was the first day of shooting. This oh, was the introduction. Wow. So And so there's a little bit of fun that this is the first day that they all appeared in costume. They're all together, uh, say for Edward Norton, uh, in this particular scene. And that the, it was deliberate that, uh, and this was probably covered in the previous minutes, but it was deliberate that uh, Daniel Craig you know, Benoit Blanc is the first to arrive and that he's separated from everyone else. He's separated because he's not part of the crew, but he's also kind of, he is the observer. He is the audience. And yet, there are entire scenes, including, you know, if you go to minute, four, or second 45 of this particular minute, everyone turns to look at him. Hello. Who's that?
1: Why are you in Greece, Mr. Blanc?
0: I, I was invited by Miles Braun. Tight with Miles? No, never met.
1: Oh, I get it. The, uh, the murder mystery thing. Benoit Blanc is going to help solve the mystery of Miles' murder. <laughs> this should be fun. Cute. He,
0: he's so not part of it. Like, everyone is sh- shot in a group. Mm-hmm. and But when they cut back to Benoit Blanc, he's alone. And so psychologically, he's separated. Visually, he's separated. And he's also acting as the eyes of the audience that, that, when people are arriving, you're almost seeing it from his point of view.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's anything to, you know, when, when yes. uh, whiskey and Duke <laughs> arrive, yeah. Do you think there's anything to the fact that it's, it's whiskey who's shooting the gun?
0: Um, I, 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 I think, yeah. I mean, perhaps I, I, I think that it's, it's, it just shows how, you know, they're, there's the uh, the overly uptight and the the those who could use a little uptighting that mm. are that are mixed and it's funny um this is, doesn't quite answer your question but this is about a group of people who were friends a long time ago and they're still kind of together but they've developed into very different people mm. and I'm getting I just turned 51 the other day I'm closer to 100 than my birth. And there are still people I'm friends with for many years, but we've all become different people. So when, even when we have reunions of people, there is that sense of we're all different. This is not, we can't keep trying to recreate the past, which is obviously what they're trying to do with these meetings that they have here.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the contrasting of the, you know, Catherine Hans character, Leslie Ohm's character with the, their uptightness and complete, for the lack of a better word, um, they're kind of like the logical characters. And then you have the wild emotional characters. It's hard to imagine that this group as being, you know, all friends at one point.
1: Yeah, that does, that does, <laughs> it is an interesting group to see and think like, oh yeah, they all, you know, met and had the same interests for a period of time and just had this uh, strange connection that they've held on to.
0: There's a great moment though, of when, um, the Dave Bautista's character comes up to poor Peg to yeah. try to hug her, and she's like, it's like, nope, nope, still COVID. I don't know you. I you're like you're like you're coming at me with shirt open in the middle of a pandemic. No, no,"
1: she says, "absolutely not." Which I I didn't catch the first time, so it's very funny rewatching this minute a couple of times. I <laughs> heard her very clearly just go, "Absolutely not," and that was kind of the the perfect response because I don't even think it's you know I think she knows Duke like they've they've met a couple of times and Duke is just overly friendly just way too overly friendly and Peg is she puts her foot down she's absolutely not
0: (laughs) you know it's odd that we're more COVID nostalgia here but those moments when you first saw other people and first went to hug them Mm -hmm. the first time for a lot of you know during the pandemic those times when it was like Oh yeah, I haven't seen you. I mean that there was there was that temptation just wanna, you know, hug people, but also knowing, you know, hey, look at I we still don't know what's happening here. So, you know, those I remember having those um uh those was it the social distancing parties where you'd have like in the driveway where you're mm-hmm. all like about ten feet away and you're trying to have like a cookout or something like that, but you know, we're all staying far away from each other. I mean, this kind of, it's so funny, like, it's that this film in its odd way captures some of that. And it's like, oh, yeah, we were doing that just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, and then, you know, there's a lot of, it's funny that you see, uh, you also see in the the masks that everyone has that, of course, um, you know, you know Kate Hudson's not wearing a mask, Whiskey's not wearing a mask, Dave Batista's is not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um and the yeah you know, the practical mask that Leslie Odom Jr. is wearing the uh bland mask that Catherine Hahn is wearing the probably cheap and inexpensive mask that um uh Peg is wearing and the completely fashionable practical yet fashionable goes perfectly with his clothes that uh Daniel Craig, you know Benoit is uh is is wearing it's just there's a lot of it's there's character development through covid masks mm-hmm. and seeing this mm-hmm. is practically the only scene where they're wearing covid masks and it's the f- first scene that they all shot together it's interesting that uh so much of the different characters are being expressed behind a mask well uh, we'll see <laughs> well um well look at we're here Talking about this, there's a lot of stuff we go through, Andrew. Um, you so you were a fan of the first one, right? Oh, yeah, and uh, well, we're again at one of the upcoming minutes. I have some real f- thoughts about the this as becoming a franchise and what I like about uh, the fact that it's a franchise, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that I mean, there's not much more to say about this minute other than you just the, the framing where every actor is. In the frame and where they're positioned. Well, I is, do, I do like,
1: um, as in the term of of it being, you know, about the murder mystery angle, where yeah. you know they're they're asking Benoit, you know, oh, were you invited? Do you, you know, do you know Miles Braun? And Lionel is the first one to he says it out loud. He says, "Oh, you must be here to help solve the the murder mystery when we get to the destination." Which I think that's kind of an interesting um, thing. Yeah, he he's the one who says that, and yeah. you know he's like as as you said before, he's kind of the most logical character. He's the most you know contained. He's he's kind of uh, maybe you know closest to Miles Braun. so he kind of knows how he thinks a little better. So he's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense why he'd be here. They don't <clears throat> they don't initially question you know too much why there's a stranger amongst them.
0: He's kind of the Wozniak to the Steve Jobs in this Mm -hmm. particular film. Um, And I I look at I'm not going to go too deep into my thoughts on, you know, tech billionaire, quote, geniuses, unquote, that may be for a later episode. But, (laughs) uh, you know, you always get the sense that there's always someone going like, hey, this is really not going to work. And I always wonder all the stuff that isn't made, that doesn't make it like all the ideas of these these tech people had, they go like, yeah, we tried this and it was a complete and abject disaster.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that's still, I think that some of that does actually make it out into the world true. and yeah. it still, <laughs> it fails and then there's still the fans of it who are like, oh, this could have worked out really nicely. and like, Yeah. Well,
0: uh, and, though. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. He's not going to like, he's not your friend. <laughs> yeah. Um By the way, a uh, little little preview for an upcoming episode. Uh, Murder Mystery Parties is something I am very familiar with. And I'm going to talk about that in probably one of the upcoming minutes where there's a lot of time on the boat. Um, but for right now, why don't we just sort of uh, uh, you know we can wrap some things up here? Hey, um, let's uh, let's just I'll just tell everyone you can follow Item, the host of the Locked On MLB podcast, which is a baseball podcast. So if you're a fan of the movie by Minute World, you can go back and listen to uh Bull Durham Minute and I'm a guest on a lot of other shows and I was a guest host on uh, the, the Knives Out Minute but also Silverado Minute, the Best Years of Our Lives Minute, and the Bowfinger Minute. I did guest spots, guest hosting spots on all of those. Andrew, where can wow. people follow you?
1: Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at podcaster Andrew. Uh, I currently do a a monthly uh, podcast about film remakes called nothing new, a remake podcast. Mm. Uh, but I have previously hosted the super Mario brothers minute. Uh, and the uh, subsequent sequel to that was Dunstan checks Min, which oh, wow. was a minute by minute of uh, Dunstan checks in uh, that, that was quite an experience. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, I, I might come back to do the the new Super Mario Brothers movie minute by minute. It's, that's go. all uh, all being worked on. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you'll you'll see updates about that.
0: Now look at um, I'm a big believer that if you've made a great movie, there's no need to remake it unless you update it in terms of the tone and undercurrent, kind of like the Fly remake, kind of the mm-hmm. remake of the Thing. What I wish people would do is remake films that had a good idea that didn't quite work. Get yeah, take that's, another shot.
1: We definitely on the show, we definitely, uh, talk about that. And we, you know, there's, and, and there's always some new remake coming out. So it's, it's never without, I mean, this year alone, Disney's given us a run for their, for our money with, with <sighs> everything that they're putting out and, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of remakes are bad, but there's some good ones in there. So I, we, we hold out hope. You know, we try to uh, not, you know, automatically think that a remake is a bad thing. We, we want to try and see the good. Uh, like right. you said, if they update it for, you know, the current times, if they give it, you know, a, a good new angle, you know, that, that helps.
0: <laughs> well, look, it helps if you listen to this show. So please, please follow us. On social media, uh, follow us on Twitter at Glass Onion Min, all one word. And please listen, rate, review, and subscribe on their podcaster of choice or podcatcher of choice. Well, this wraps up minute sixteen of Glass Onion Minute. But in minute seventeen, a car is pulling up, boat is pulling up. How many more vehicles can pull up? But we can find out tomorrow when Andrew Lindy and I return for the next episode of Glass Onion Minute.